Why 480? It's the number that drives our work lives. 480 minutes. That's all you have every workday. And the decisions that you make each minute can change everything. When you plan out your business goals over the next two years, that's only 480 workdays to get it done. In your entire 40-year career, you've only got 480 months to make an impact with your work. Time is the limit we can't control. Because time is your most precious resource. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hello and welcome again to the Leadership 480 Podcast from DDI. My name is Craig Irons and I'll be your host today. You know, is it always the smartest people who get ahead and advance in their careers? Well, it's a debatable question. After all, there are different kinds of intelligence. There is cognitive intelligence, which Wikipedia tells us is the ability to reason, to solve problems, to comprehend complex ideas, and so forth. Then there's emotional intelligence, or EQ, which is equally important, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our guest is one of the foremost authorities on emotional intelligence. Adele Lin is founder of the Lin Leadership Group. She has consulted to dozens of organizations, and she's also the author of seven books that have been published in 15 languages, including The EQ Difference, A Powerful Plan for Putting Emotional Intelligence to Work. Adele Lynn, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So let's, let's start by defining what emotional intelligence is for our listeners who may not be familiar with the term, um, you know, what is it and why do leaders need to have emotional intelligence? Well, there's a few different definitions of emotional intelligence out there, but I like to look at emotional intelligence as something that is applied. So the definition that I use is it's the ability to manage myself and then my relationships with others so that I can live my intentions and reach my goals. So it's very practical. Each piece of that definition, you know, it starts with self, it reaches out to other people, and it has a purpose behind it. Okay, so it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's more, it's That's more right. about how you use it. That's exactly right. Okay, so um, I've heard the term EQ uh, or emotional intelligence for probably, you know, 20 years or whatever at this point. So it goes back a little bit. Uh, you know, what's sort of the origin and the science behind it? Well, um, the origin, it is at least 20 years old at this point. I'd have to count and actually say when it was its birthday. But essentially, um, when we were looking at different types of intelligences, um, it was defined as another type of intelligence. And of course, there's multiple types of intelligence, etc. But whenever they began to look at its impact on success, it became very, very interesting. And the science behind it has become much more more sophisticated over the years because of the brain research that can, you know, we can actually see what's happening in the brain at different points when people are communicating. And so it's the science has become much more sophisticated. And of course, uh, you know, Daniel Goldman made it popular, but it was actually um, uh, before Daniel Goldman that it was defined. Okay. And Daniel Goldman is the author of... Uh you know, a couple of absolutely and, books. And he did a lot to raise the awareness of why emotional intelligence is important. Fantastic. So what about you? How did you 
get interested in emotional intelligence and make it such a focal point of what you do? Well, well, my interest always came on the practical side. So you know, I'm the kind of person that if, I, if you tell me there's some research behind something, it's like, well, that's great. But what does that mean for me in my everyday world? How do I apply it? So I became very interested when I first heard the concept to, to say, well, okay, so how can people use it in their life and in particular in their work life? Because that's where my focus was. So, and, and my interest was really kind of spurred out of the notion of trust and respect. How do you gain trust and respect in the workplace? Because that's where I was focused. And to me, emotional intelligence was just a natural bridge. So in your book, The EQ Difference, uh, you know, you write about the five areas of emotional intelligence at work. Can you Give us an overview of what those are and um, and sort of walk us through them. Okay, so the five areas of emotional intelligence that I define, the first is self-awareness and control. And, and I actually combine those as one, okay, not two separate items. Mm-hmm. Because to me, to have self-awareness and not have self-control is kind of senseless. I mean, really, you know, what's the purpose of being aware sure. if you don't do something about it? Um, the second area is empathy. So if I have self-awareness and control and I can empathize with where another person is coming from, that's incredibly important from the point of view of building a relationship. The third area is what I call social expertness, and it encompasses a few things. It encompasses this whole idea of, you know, how do I um, uh, build coalitions? How do I uh, uh, garner uh, collaboration? It also involves how do I solve conflict? Because the minute you have a relationship with someone, I can guarantee you in the second minute you may have conflict. So it's one thing to have the relationship, it's another to be able to proceed in that relationship in a healthy way, which is by resolving conflict, etc. The fourth area is what I call personal influence, and that is really the this essence of where leadership uh, uh, lives. Uh, But leadership can't live there without those other three areas that I just defined. So personal influence is the fourth. And the fifth is what I call mastery of vision and purpose. Uh, we all really have to know where our what our compass is and where it's pointing. And once we have that, it makes the the whole um, avenue kind of uh, clear. We know where we're going, how we're going to get there, because we know who we are, what we stand for. So those are the five areas as I define it. So as you describe them, um, I think we can all agree we've we've all had leaders or been exposed to leaders who are lacking in at least one of those areas. Uh, So when leaders lack emotional intelligence, what are the risks or the potential costs to their careers, their teams, their organizations? Well, there's a lot of risks for leaders on a lot of fronts. 
Emotional intelligence is just one of the fronts, okay? Sure. And it's obviously the front that I'm most familiar with. But what happens is, is that if we don't have strong emotional intelligence, then our ability to lead is actually compromised. It, it, leader, leadership can be compromised on many fronts, like ethics, for example, et cetera. But, but if we can't connect, if we can't uh, have that relationship with someone and, and know that the ways in which we can inspire and motivate and, and bring out the best, then our ability is also compromised. If we don't know what we stand for, our ability is compromised to, to, to lead and to influence. And if we can't empathize, it's compromised. So all of these things put leaders at risk and if not at, and it could be at risk certainly for their careers because the, some of those things are are dead ends if we can't relate. However, it certainly puts you at risk for less being less effective. If you know, and then we might just kind of get marginalized in our careers. Yeah. So it's a very important um, skill to have. But it's not the only thing that matters. And sometimes I get uh, annoyed with people like me uh, who, t- <laughs> <laughs> who, are, who's an, who are experts who tout you know, their expertise as being the only thing that matters. Because it's not. Because leaders can be uh, derailed, as I said, through ethics. I like look at it as a three-legged stool. I call it EQ, IQ, and ethics. Uh, the EQ being the part that I just described. But the IQ, and I don't necessarily mean book smarts, but I mean the ability to look at processes and systems and put the best uh, rational thinking forward is also quite important and can derail you. And of course, like we said, ethics can as well. We're talking today to Adele Lin, an expert in emotional intelligence. Adele, as we talked about earlier, emotional intelligence concept that's been around for decades yes. um, and we're still talking about it today and we're not the only ones so if you could, could probably open uh, you know, a business publication now or you're, you're very likely to to find some reference to emotional intelligence um, so my question is why do you think this concept has had such staying power and mm-hmm. continued relevance well, I think a couple of things have kind of converged to make it relevant, uh, continued relevance today. And one is, is that I think that leaders and employees have grown. And they uh, leaders are more aware than they were maybe when I became a leader. And I have a story about that that we'll share later, okay, yeah, if you to, like. we're going okay. to delve into your experience <laughs> okay. as a leader. For sure. um, so, so one, I think that leaders are more aware. They recognize how important it is that they experience self-awareness and also then are able to maintain self-control, et cetera, in the workplace. So I think that that's one thing. But I think le- employees are also more self-aware, and they have a better sense of what they need in the workplace or what they want, and therefore won't necessarily put up with ineffective kinds of leadership of the past, maybe of my generation. (laughs) So is EQ something you can fake? Uh, Yes, absolutely, to a point. And then something is going to catch up with you. But absolutely, I can teach people to fake EQ. And in fact, if you want to 
um, look at an interesting point, some of the people who are best at EQ are psychopaths. They can manipulate, they can come across as charming and likable and get you to do just about anything. Uh, in fact, my early work on EQ was actually on trust. How do you build trust? And my experience was that I actually interviewed people who were in jail for crimes that they had committed, but crimes of trust. In other yeah. words, they didn't necessarily say, uh, stick them up, you know, you ain't give me your wallet. But instead, they uh, gained people's trust and then people willingly uh, turned over their assets, etc. So crimes of trust have been around for a very long time. And um, whenever what, I, what we realized that people who commit tr crimes of trust know very much how to gain your trust and then they abuse it. So yeah. that's why you said, can you fake emotional intelligence? Yes, you can fake it to a point because more than likely then you will abuse it. So when you say a crime of trust, I think one that comes to mind for me would be like embezzling. Absolutely. Or something like yes. that, okay. And you know, it's your most trusted employee, the one you would never suspect, et cetera, et cetera, that has this side that they're doing. And I have to, to tell you, um, you used the word psychopaths. Yes. And also earlier you talked about the, the three stools of yes. emotional intelligence, uh, cognitive intelligence, and ethics. And we had a guest uh, here recently on talking about ethics. And I believe uh, what she said was that psychopaths make the best surgeons. Absolutely. Which... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very taken aback by that sentiment, but now that I've, I've had some time to reflect on it and we're having this conversation today, it makes more sense to me. Yes. So that's, uh, that, that, that's really interesting. Yes. Um, how can leaders develop EQ? That, that actually is a very important question, and it is what I've sort of dedicated my life to believing is very, very important that leaders can develop EQ, because there are some schools of thought that say that EQ is like IQ in that it's kind of a fixed quantity. And I sort of subscribe to the fact that I think it is definitely something that we can, that, that, that we can improve. So in, in that improvement really has to start with the leader taking steps to look inside, to be self-reflective, to say, how is my behavior impacting other people? What am I doing that is bringing out the best in people, but also what am I doing? What are my habits and my characteristics that bring out the worst in people? Because as I'm aware of those things, and also as I'm aware of what triggers my reactions in the workplace, uh, then and only then can I change them. And once, right. and then they can be conscious uh, steps to take you to the next level. So, is it possible to be born with EQ? I do think that it is. There is a range in which people have in terms of EQ, and some have more or less than others in certain aspects. So, yes, I think there's a range. But I think that all of us can work within our range to get better or not to improve at all. Sure. Yes. I'd like to spend a, a few minutes talking about your experience as, as a leader. Uh, obviously, you've, you've owned your own company for 
a long time that you started, so you're an entrepreneur. Um, so uh, you know, we all have that one point at which we become a leader for the first time. Yeah. And that can be a very challenging moment or point of transition. Yes. What was that like for you? Um, it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it came as I was uh, locked in a um, sewer line sewer line below the streets and the manhole cover closed and I realized that I had no business in the leadership position I was in so there's a story obviously (laughs) my ears are if if we were on video you could see my ears kind of be perked up at uh, at this well when I first got out so in my last semester of college I was doing some research on Pregnancy rates of female, well, obviously, female rodents would be the ones that would have pregnancy rates, and sure. how to um, how to change that and to eradicate the rodent uh, problem. So yes, we're talking rats. Yes. Okay. So um, so I graduated. The research was finished. I graduated all as well. Well, I got a call like the next week, and it was my advisor who said, "I've got the perfect job for you. Uh, we got a grant, and we would like for you to lead a team, uh, and we're going to apply your research to see if we can make a difference." Right. So mm-hmm. it's like I had the technical knowledge. Right? Uh-huh. You know, I kind of knew what I was doing from that point of view. I had zero leadership abilities. Seriously, zero. Uh, but I said, sure, <laughs> okay? I'd love to do that. I was, I was given a crew. So part of the crew was, well, all of the crew, this was a grant, and it was to help people gain employment skills who didn't have a lot of employment history or they didn't have good employment history. So it was it was kind of a double-edged sword in terms of the grant. It was to eradicate the uh, rodents and to make a difference in people's lives sure. by giving them usable skills. So, um, so I thought I'll jump all over that. And uh, of course, I thought that was fun. So my idea of how do you be a leader was to be friendly with people. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that. I still, to this day, many, many, many years later, okay, decades and decades later, still believe that it is important to be personable and to relate to people. It's still very core to what I believe. But I didn't understand the other side of leadership. So what I did was I swung erratically and chaotically between trying to be, you know, friendly and nice and trying to say, well, wait, you have to be here, you know, instead of showing up at noon, you need to show up at eight, okay? And I couldn't get it. I did not get it because I didn't understand what leadership was all about. So how did that light bulb begin to come on for you? Okay, so there came a moment when I was, you know, down in the sewer and um, I was the last one out going up and the uh, the crew decided to quote, I'm going to use this as a verb, prank me. Uh-huh. And they put the manhole cover on. And all of a sudden I'm thinking like, okay, 
this should be a wake-up call. You know nothing about leadership. You're sitting here in a sewer, okay? Of course, the crew came back for me and opened the, you know, and everything was fine, or there wouldn't be a story to tell. But the bottom line is, is that from that moment forward, I said, I don't know anything, and there's something to know here. And it, I began to ask questions. Adele, I have to tell you, if we do this <laughs> podcast five more years, we will not hear a better story than <laughs> Well, that I don't one. know about that, but it was <laughs> truly a wake-up call. And, you know, I still, I still hear from some of the guys on that crew who have done an amazing job with their lives and, have, yeah. and are true success stories. Uh, but I also know that it was my humblest moment because sure. I, I did not lead at all. So when we all have that moment where we're humbled a bit, then oh. I can think back to a situation, you know, myself when I encountered that as a young leader. Um, but we don't always overcome it on our own. You know, did you have a mentor? Oh, did you have someone who was important to helping you make the transition? I I had so many that it's it's difficult to call out one. But what that early failure did it came at a perfect time because it came so early in my career and it really did open my eyes and humbled me to say i don't know anything about this um so what happened was as i started to get curious around this idea of how do people lead how do you do this so in essence and i was and i was still young and um young enough to be naive and ask questions so essentially i asked questions of anyone that i could find okay from anyone in leadership who would talk to me to people yeah. on the shop floor because my next assignment was in a steel mill okay so is it people on the shop floor to union leaders and i said tell me how do i gain trust and respect how do i do that and over the years, I've I collected over a thousand interviews, but all of those people I think were were pieces of my mentoring. But then I had a few that were really standouts. We're talking today to Adele Lynn, an author and an expert on emotional intelligence. Adele, I want to kind of bring the two things together: your early experiences as a leader, and then our earlier discussion here around emotional intelligence. So we all look back on our younger selves and think, boy, if I only knew them what I know now. But in your case, where, you know, you know so much and recognize so much the value of emotional intelligence, that might have really helped you early on, wouldn't it? It, it may have, and it certainly did help me connect with like subject matter experts because I can you know kind of connect and have the conversation with them and really had a desire to learn but but ultimately I still did the I made all the mistakes I think that all leaders make one was the swinging and the chaos but also just not being able I mean, leadership is stressful. When you're when you're working, there's a million things coming at you at 100 miles an hour. So I had myself to manage too, because I am, uh, you know, feeling the stresses of the the workplace and the pressure to perform. So I also had to learn how to manage that, and and none of that was innate for me. Maybe the re- some of the relationship may have been stuff may have been a little in, innate, but managing myself was not. <laughs> So I still had a lot to, to learn along the way. You still are, you know, talking to a lot of people. You're still, um, 
you know, interacting with different companies and, and consulting and, and so forth. So, uh, and just actually before we sat down and started recording this, you and I were talking about how much things have changed. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, to what extent do you feel leadership has changed mm-hmm. over the, the time that you've been studying it? I think that leadership now is much more well-defined. We know what, although it can come in a lot of varieties, leadership can come in a lot of varieties, I think we have a much better idea of the types of skills and the types of of, uh, attributes that are going to carry you well into that leadership role. And also the kind that are going to, we talked a little bit earlier about risk, the kind that are going to put you at risk. Um, So, And I think the DDI has done a remarkable job in in some of that research, in leading the way and, and, and recognizing that there's a lot of bodies of science behind leadership now, and using that to to kind of hone in on what do we need to help leaders do or become. And I think that's, it's it's become much more sophisticated. So companies, you know, employers now, they'll offer training mm-hmm. that will help people develop their emotional intelligence, but not all of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our listeners uh, who are, are, are tuning in here today you know, they may feel like, okay, in their organization, they don't have the option to go sign up for a course because there may not be one. Um, so as far as someone sort of taking, taking it upon themselves to develop their own emotional intelligence, what guidance would you give them for starting that process? I would really encourage anyone, and this doesn't even mean just leaders, it means anyone in any uh, if anybody at all is serious about their career to start asking questions of their coworkers of their what what can i do differently to be what can i do what do we do that gets on your nerves okay <laughs> what do, where you know how can i be uh, better in what i'm doing ask questions seek that feedback because it's if we if we think we know it all we don't and the more we can put ourselves out there and put ourselves at risk by asking those kinds of questions, the less at risk we become in terms of our career. So for you know a few decades, we've been talking about emo- emotional intelligence. Um, and it seems like you know that conversation is not one that is slowing down. Uh, so I guess that sort of raises a question in my mind is, is emotional intelligence, is it something that we have the, the capability to get better at? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that's always kind of going to be with us with some people have, are going to have more emotional intelligence than others? What, what's your take on that? Well, and just so you are aware, there are actually two schools of thought on this. One is that it is a fixed sum, just like, um, you know, my ability to do math is maybe right. a fixed sum, okay? But I can still learn to do certain things, but I have to apply myself, right? Um, with emotional intelligence, I tend to believe that there is a... a a fixed area where you may not be able to improve anymore, but there's, but that is a pretty vast, for most people, 
it's a pretty vast space that you can improve yourself. You can get feedback. You can find out uh, what you can do to be more effective in the way you manage yourself and the way you manage others. And therefore, you can be more influential because you know how to inspire and engage and, in, and uh, motivate. What about if you have a colleague or maybe even a manager mm-hmm. who you know, you, you recognize as having low EQ. Um, how, how can you give them meaningful feedback or information that they can use? Uh, because that could, that can be awkward. Uh, but if you're going to help people grow and develop, sometimes they need to absolutely get that feedback, don't they? And that leads us to those difficult conversations that we sometimes have to have. But if I come from the place that I truly, genuinely care about your success, and I'm telling you this because of that, and not only I'm not just telling you something, I'm going to ask your permission first, if I may, and then I'm going to stick around and I'm going to say, I'm also here to help you in any way I can, then that person's defensiveness for hearing the message may go down, which is a good thing, because once we drop our defenses, then we're open to learning. And and at that point, then we make it a dialogue. We don't make it a one-way, here's the feedback, here's what you need to do to improve, but it becomes a dialogue. And as a leader, that really is our trick. I mean, that is our trick. If we have uh, something that we can do well and we can do that, that's uh, we can change our organizations. And, you know, there's another piece of me, though, that also – I've also worked with some great people who are really good performers who are never going to be stellar on the emotional intelligence front. If I'm the more emotional, intelligent, uh, if, if that comes easy for me, then I'm the one who needs to recognize that that's going to be a constant struggle for that person. And I'm the one who needs to apply my empathy toward that. So I think there's a lot that we can do. Any one sort of big piece of advice you would offer to leaders or people who aspire to become leaders when it comes to emotional intelligence? Stop trying to have the answers. Um, Step back, allow others to have the answers, and then fuel that. Fuel that, take it in the direction you want to take it, um, lead lead it obviously with your vision, et cetera. but your job is not to tell. It's to step back and fan the flames of, of genius that are already in your workplace. One more question, Adele, and this is a question we ask all of our guests. Can you share a moment of leadership that had an impact on you? Okay, so that's an interesting question for me, and it came actually late in life in my career, okay, Um, about 10 years or so ago, uh, my husband passed away instantly, you know, so there was no warning, there was no preparation, and I was in the midst of running my business, and, you know, it was a very busy time in my life, and 
someone I was coaching, a CEO that I was coaching, so this is how you, you learn uh, from the people that you also work with. So a CEO that I was coaching said to me, you know, your capacity is going to be way down. You're not going to be able to do what you, for a while because grief is very consuming. And I thought, hmm, that's really interesting. And then he said to me, but I know you'll know what to do. And I didn't know what to do, okay? So I wanted the answer from him. I'm, meanwhile, I'm supposed to be coaching him. So I went to my staff and I said, you know, they knew it was a horrible time. I mean, there was no needing to explain that. And I just got out of the way. And they said, don't worry, we, we've got this. So the lesson is, is you don't need to have it all if you have your people. And um, they can do it for you. So it was a very profound moment in my life when I recognized how people will really come through for you. Yeah. On That's the big wonderful. Stuff. Adele Lynn, author, expert on emotional intelligence. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I was glad to be here, Craig. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you to our listeners, as always, for joining us. And this is Craig Irons reminding you to make every moment of leadership count.